Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And this is House Podcastica Westworld Edition. This week we're covering Westworld Season 3, Episode 8, Crisis Theory. Is the show in crisis? We will theorize about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, As we've been doing all year. Yeah, but uh, before that I wanted to mention something kind of Westworldian that popped up in my everyday life. Is I've been learning about this new contact tracing um, software that Google and Apple have been working on together to uh, help combat the coronavirus. And I didn't realize how close it was to actually being a real thing because next thing you know, I pull up my phone and it has updated overnight. And now it's it's going to um, notify me if it detects that I've been exposed to someone who has coronavirus. It's called exposure notification. And if you have iOS 13.5, that's on your phone right now. And I, I it's it's enabled wow. by default, which I think is a good thing because it, uh, if it's not enabled by default, no one's going to enable it and it's not going to be useful. But it's, it, it's, I mean, the what it does basically is it's using Bluetooth and it like knows if you get close within six feet of somebody else who has the feature enabled. And supposedly the idea is if one of them gets coronavirus and then they somehow n- have it on their phone notified that then anyone who's been around them within the last couple of weeks or something will be notified. Did you know about all that? I did not. And, um, it is Westworldian and a little creepy in some ways, yes. but it's also, it's kind of what we're going to need. Right. Right. It's creepy. Beca- I mean, Apple, you know, from their marketing, they're really focused on the privacy of it. They use random ID ID numbers change frequently and it doesn't include information about your identity or or your location. So they're really trying to reassure people. And I think it is great. I mean, it could save many, many lives, but it's also like, Oh shit, I hope this technology is always used for good. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I think one of the questions is going to be, what do I do with this information? Yeah. I think you're supposed to um, probably go get tested if you can. Mm -hmm. If you can, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I have been fascinated by some other technological developments in the pandemic, like the um, one of the companies that makes thermometers, they feed um, anonymized data into a central server. So they were able to track general trends in the outbreak in, in the United States and worldwide to some degree faster almost than anyone else because they could tell where people have fevers Mm. like in large numbers Mm -hmm. so that was pretty interesting and now i know there are groups tracking that the social distancing has been breaking down just because there's more mobility of people like phones or phone locations are moving around more Mm -hmm. the last week or two than they were before right yeah i think i read something about that too so they can tell that people are getting tired of it and not obeying the rules and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So all these uh, big data sources are, are, 
it's here and they're being used in that way. Yeah. And I, I think it really is going to make a difference. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I just thought it, I'd mention it because it's exactly like the kind of technology that we've seen play out in Westworld this season where it's really attractive, but also kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. And also, I think, as we've said this season, the, the Westworld portrayed 2058 doesn't seem very far from right. where we are. <laughs> it's more like 2025 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Westworld, let's get into the finale of season three. So it's our top five highlights for season three, episode eight, Crisis Theory. What did you think of this one? Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm. Have to admit, I didn't love it upon first watching. I enjoyed it a lot more on second watching. Same, exactly. So I think it's uh, being able to step back from it a second time helps. Uh, and also I think it still did have a lot of the weaknesses that have bugged me about the whole season. And I kind of was obsessing on them at first watching and the second time I was able to let it go. Yeah. It's yeah. It's interesting. Cause for me, I had some expectations and some hopes and it really did not meet them. And so that was one reason why I didn't like it. And also the th- kind of things that we've been um, complaining about really stood out. But I think on second watch, I knew I, my hopes weren't going to be met. So I wasn't worried about that. And maybe I you know, already expected the things I didn't like. So they didn't sting quite as much. And then I was able to just more focus on what was going on that was cool. And there was a lot of cool stuff. So I still didn't love it. I, it's not my favorite, but I, I think it was pretty good. And it had a lot of interesting things in it. Yeah, it was of a piece with the rest of the season. Yes. Um, the season finales usually have been really good in this show. And I think this season finale was good compared to the season in the same ratio as the others. Uh, wait, I don't quite get that. Meaning the season wasn't as good uh, and the finale wasn't as good, but it was about as good for this season as the <laughs> other ones were for their season. For their seasons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. All right, let's get into our... Oh, oh, one more thing I just wanted to mention. One of the things I was was really expecting but didn't happen. Nothing we were watching this season was a secret simulation as far as, as we know. You said you didn't want that to happen, so I was thinking you must be happy that it didn't. I was glad they didn't go there. And (laughs) actually, I I know we'll talk about this um, as we go, but they... we all were sort of half right about Sirach. So, I mean, he's real, but it turned out that he kind of was just a manifestation of the computer. So I figured mm-hmm. like you, that you and Karen were kind of right on that point, although not literally. Not in the way we thought. And now I really right. liked that development. That was one of the things I really liked about the episode because it was unexpected and just kind of sad and creepy and scary and, I really liked it when, you know, you know that he's just repeating what is whispering in his ear. (laughs) Yeah, it was sort of uh, bleak, but um, a great story point. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what's your number five? Um, So I think I should, before we get into the my number five, I should admit to the listeners that we just stopped down for a second, uh, and I went to get a Lacroix because I forgot to bring in something to drink, you know, during our whole podcast and. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I had to walk by Karen to go to the fridge and get this LaCroix. And she's like, wow, you are really a prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. She loves LaCroix. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my number five is uh, Mysteries Revealed. 
Uh, one th- good thing you can count on from a Westworld season finale is a lot of questions answered um, or, you know, mysteries uh, solved. Uh, so this episode had a bunch. First, we find a twist that Dolores' ultimate plan essentially was to set the humans free, or at least to give them a chance, rather than to exterminate the human race. Mm-hmm. So that was a big one. Yeah, that uh, was a great one. I mean, the part of me that feels, I, I liked it, but that feels critical about that is, you know, she could have mentioned that to Maeve, Caleb and Bernard and it would have maybe helped them inform their own decisions and she didn't because I mean maybe you could argue that Caleb wasn't ready to hear that you know but but I don't know I would argue that she could have told him at some point but yeah I'd say she didn't mention it because she's they were fooling the audience exactly and that kind of thing I mean you know I can't say that no show should ever do that because you got to have some mystery, but I am always way more impressed when people hold things back for a reason other than just to fool the audience, you know? Yes. As Robert Ford masterfully did yeah. throughout the first couple of seasons of this mm-hmm. show. Um, so we learn why Dolores chose Caleb. Um, essentially he was kind to her after a military training exercise in the park he stopped fellow soldiers from presumably raping the rescued women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to break in and, and just give a disclaimer here that all the things that bugged me about this episode, I compressed into one thing, which is my number three. Um, so because otherwise I'll be stopping to say I like this, but I didn't like that. Everybody yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um so we learn that Bernard's key role in the plan is that he has the cryptographic key that Dolores implanted in him, which, as I understand it, is the key both to accessing the sublime and also to accessing the human um, DNA biometric data. Right. Correct. Which Serac refers to as Delos Immortality Project. Right. <laughs> and so there, I my surmises were exactly sort of reversed. I had thought all along that the reason she wanted Bernard had something to do with his ability to make a choice. Um, and it actually turns out that was about Caleb, not him. And, and his thing was something else. Yeah. And for Bernard, it was that she she said she didn't trust herself to hold on to that. And so... And she did trust Bernard. Right. Which is nice. They've always had a special relationship. Yeah. So we learn what uh, Charlotte is up to. She's building a host army to exterminate humanity, as we originally assumed to be Dolores Prime's plan. Um, And we find out that she's gone full predator at this point. (laughs) <laughs> and even says her family that we know she cared about was a weakness that she needed to shed. Yeah, she at the end of the season, she's in a position, you know, kind of emotionally and with her motivations and her actions to where I thought Dolores might be at some point in this season. Dolores Prime. Right. She's sort of taken over the Dolores Prime Terminator Exterminate Humanity. Yeah. Mode. So keep me honest on this one, but this was my interpretation. There was a fifth Dolores, 
um, which we went back and forth on a bunch of times throughout the season. And it turned out to be in Lawrence, who shows up as a San Francisco cop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I mean, I always thought there was Dolores Prime, four other Doloreses, and Bernard. I right, think but at one point, at one point, we had thought she only brought five pearls out. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's her, four others, and Bernard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess Lawrence was in Berlin at some point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, left hanging. I will yeah. complain about that later. Um, <laughs> Sirak turns out to be fully controlled by Rehoboam, uh, who is literally telling him what to say via an earpiece, which you already mm-hmm. mentioned. He does say uh, when um, Maeve calls him on it, he says something like, I choose to obey or something like that. I forgot what he said exactly, but I think it was a moment where he actually said what he was feeling rather than having it whispered into his ear. Although I guess you never know. Right. And, and the show likes to reflect back to itself so often hearing Rehoboam give him the script was like that scene earlier in the series where we see Maeve's dialogue before she says it. Totally. Yeah. And then, uh, my favorite one, or at least, uh, I think a big one we've all been waiting for was what is the last park? Yeah. And, and it turns out to be um, faux America military training mm-hmm. for the military, which really I thought was that actually was a good plot point. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, it would be a really good uh, the military would love that. Yeah. And you could make a lot of money, I'm sure, and do some great brain research. Um, checks a lot of boxes. Right. Yeah. Good for both sides. Yeah. I mean, when I first, when that revelation first came up, I was a bit confused. I thought, I thought that that whole arrangement for the military to use park five, I was like, oh, is that, does that mean that the outlier program is involved with park five and that Caleb was never in Russia? He was in park five. And if insight was that, um, tight with Delos, this whole time, then why does it seem like they didn't have that strong of a relationship? But then I realized, and I think I'm right about this, that no, that had nothing to do with insight. It was just that while, uh, Caleb was in the army, he had his training in park five and that was an arrangement between Delos and and the military, the U S military. Yeah, I think that's right. And we had seen a snippet of that in the backstory about Caleb episode without knowing what it was. Right. Yeah, that that was I mean, and another thing I wondered about that was, um, well, if, you know, we've seen the makeshift uh, Delos destinations website that had six parks and it said these ones were offline because they didn't want to tell us which ones they were. And so I still do think it's a little silly that they would include this military one as part of that. But apparently now on the website, it says this is classified and it's a it's a military something or other so gotcha uh, something so like um so yeah so westworld shogun world the raj fantasy world right whatever wherever the dragon yeah. was westeros world yeah right um <laughs> war world um although we never actually saw world war world we saw it in a bunch of simulations i think someone alluded to it being real though i think i could be wrong but i'm 
I think so too. Yeah. But I don't think we actually saw it. And then I was calling the last one Camp Delos. (laughs) Uh, So I actually went and checked the DelosDestinations.com website today Mm -hmm. just to see what it would say. Um, And it says park offline, the whole thing. Delos Destinations regrets the temporary closure of our parks. We're undergoing unscheduled maintenance to improve several safety and structural systems to maximize the experience of our guests. Yeah. I hear there was some incident, so I don't know. Hopefully they'll (laughs) be back soon. (laughs) It says existing bookings for experienced guests will be honored at a later date. Boy, that sounds too close to the real world. (laughs) Um, New prospective guests should refer to our video resource catalog in preparation for a future stay and will be notified once park reservations are reopened. Please check back in again soon. Your life without limits will resume shortly. Um, (laughs) That does not seem likely. (laughs) Okay, cool. So this kind of goes along with what you're saying. Well, revelations, which are always nice, but my number five is scenes and lines that I especially liked in this episode. As I mentioned, I liked that Rehoboam was whispering into Sirach's ear the whole time. And, and in that it was Rehoboam that told him to get rid of his brother because I had been thinking that Sirach was this kind of a guy who are, there are plenty of guys like this who, you know, want everyone else to submit to this system while they get to play God and and he's a hypocrite you know but it turns out that he's following the system too and i just thought there was something i don't know it's creepy and i've already mentioned it but i i just love that and i i um read somebody mentioned that in german the word for angel is engel i guess and so that's a bit like angerot angerod who maybe is like an angel who considers himself a servant of God. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And and we had kind of speculated about this that, and it, it actually makes sense for AIs that big and powerful. So we really find that the last two episodes were the two AIs versus each other, essentially. Right. Like it was, it was Jean me versus Ciroc, but expressed in AI. Yeah. And now, Sirach is uh, pretty much powerless, but still alive. And uh, we don't know if that EMP just ruined Solomon or turned it off for a little while, but I guess that could be a future plot point. We also it don't could. know if yep. John Mee is still in deep freeze or what. I, I assume so, but I don't know. But the EMP could have killed all of them too. Yeah, they're rotting now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't really know for sure. We don't know. Um. I did wonder why Maeve is just now able to tune in and hear Rehoboam talking to Sirach. That was pretty convenient. It was. <laughs> oh, well. And then I loved the whole thing about Caleb going to, how do you say, Itai Doshin mm-hmm. Distillery, which presumably is part of the, I mean, we saw when uh, Maeve was in Singapore and found Musashi Dolores at the Itaidoshin distillery there. This is like another branch of that. Yeah, I assumed it was like a Yakuza shell company that she got control of or something. Yeah, and so it shows that Musashi Dolores has been a big part of all of this, but it's just kind of been in the background and we haven't seen a lot of it, which I think is kind of cool, you know, just to know that a lot of stuff was going on too that we didn't get to see. But right. it's for, for practical things like keeping a, a backup body for yourself. So he goes there to get unpack this Dolores body and, you know, put the 
pearl in and the little proboscis comes out to receive it. And then when she's talking to him, it seems kind of ominous and she's like casually breaks free from her chains and then starts pulling on her skin like it's clothes. That whole scene I just thought was super cool. Yep. I loved it too. (laughs) It was ominous too, because we didn't know yet that Dolores was, you know, on Caleb's side. So it almost seemed like he was going to harm her. She was going to harm him for a second there to me anyway. Uh, and then later when Dolores tried to cut off, I mean, Maeve tried to cut off Dolores's arm again, chunk, but now she has her, uh, that's basically uh, the same style of body that Dolores had, as we've seen in flashbacks in the park when she was first made. And we know that she's the oldest host in the park. So as Dolores said, they, they built us to last before they made us as weak as they are. So now she's stronger. And I thought that was, that was pretty neat. The whole thing. Yeah, I was going to say, the uh, apparently their original bodies were physically tougher than the 2.0, although it hasn't really been portrayed that way all along. Um, the, I mean, the host 2.0 seemed pretty rugged, too. They take, a, take some bullets and keep on ticking, so... Yeah, that's true, and, you know, I just realized I, I had, in my head, Maeve had chopped Dolores' arm off, but that's not what happened. It was the... Um, it was the helicopter. drone, the drone shot yeah. her. So we don't know what would happen if the drone shot her in this body either. We don't know. Right. I liked when um, William goes and meets his like associate slash assistant. And he's like, I don't understand. I heard you had some kind of mental break. Now you're here drinking a $20,000 bottle of whiskey. And William just says, ain't life grand. <laughs> <laughs> now go get my money. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. Um, I got two more. I liked when, um, this was probably my favorite, when Dolores or Maeve said, you want to tear down their world and replace it with copies of yourself. And Dolores said, you're all copies of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she owned her on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And I wondered if that was supposed to be some kind of a revelation. I mean, she said that she was the first one that worked and they built all the rest from her. It maybe seems a little bit like, oh, maybe she's more in a piece of all of the other ones than we realized. I don't know. I suppose. It's, yeah. But it kind of just seemed like ego. Right. <laughs> Which I think is actually better. Yeah. Uh, and then last, I mean, I just like that the whole episode had moments of having a fight club feel, which is one of my favorite movies. Like, uh, their he- Dolores and Caleb are out in the chaotic streets trying to get to Rehoboam and a bunch of armed guys appears and he's about to shoot them. And she's like, puts her hand out. No, they're ours. And one of them's like, we've been told to get you downtown, sir. I- I'm sure that that's a deliberate direct reference to, um, fight club where th- these armed guys in black are calling him sir and he's like why do they keep calling me sir i'm like because you're tyler durden (laughs) (laughs) right so i i just liked all that and then at the end when with caleb and Maeve looking out on the in the city and there's explosions going off that very much felt like the end of uh fight club yeah and this is a show that is very eager always to call back to its influences and the things right. that creators loved. So I'm sure you're right. They did it on purpose. Yeah. And you know, you could argue that that kind of thing is uh, maybe lazy or something. I don't know, but I think it's really worked. I, I'm loving all of the, that kind of a thing. But plus the uh, Dolores Maeve fight felt like fight club. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That's all I got. 
Uh, okay, for, so for my number four, I will continue with the scene with Caleb and the original Dolores, which uh, I thought was the best scene in this episode. Mm. It, it To me, it was the most Westworld-like scene, like the most um, sort of intricate and revealing and, and emotionally tense without needing a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Um, her original body is fascinating. Yes, we've seen it before, but I, I think the original hosts are are pretty compelling like if you remember old bill way back in the beginning of the show mm-hmm. who who was kept down in storage and um and then kind of crude yeah and um her face we have been seeing all year in the opening credits um which turns out to be uh the original hosts are front loaders for the pearl mm-hmm. um i did think it was a little far-fetched that the original pearl still works in uh still compatible <laughs> with the new model <laughs> but okay fine as you pointed out caleb seems a little afraid of her and but she also shows some vulnerability she says um you know i wasn't sure you would bring me back right and if he had not done that her whole plan is dead yep. so it was a um, risk. yeah so it w- it was a, a risk in which she took on some vulnerability and I thought it was the first time in this episode we start to see some of the old Dolores. There's some sparks of empathy, you know, mm-hmm. in addition to the the Terminator persona. Yeah, and it, it was tough this season, I'm sure. I mean, that, that's one of the problems with the season is you don't know who to root for. And that's because they were keeping her motivations a mystery. And because they were keeping it a mystery, she had to be kind of vague about it too and seem threatening and so yeah now maybe um that maybe in this episode she was letting herself be more empathetic and vulnerable yeah and um i i did think with the original host body um and they never really put her in a position where she would have to fool anyone but it, it seems like it would be a lot tougher to seem fully human in that body yeah, but one thing I really thought was cool is that even though it's this really mechanical structure that I'm sure they must have done mocap with Evan Rachel Woods because the way it moved was really, I mean, she just moves kind of sexily, <laughs> you know? Right. And so it was interesting to see this sort of skeletal Terminator-like machine move like a woman. I like that. Yeah, it was really well done. So um, just really enjoyed that. I, th- I thought it was a great scene. It was well thought out. It, it it pointed to her, how intricate her plans were made in advance. And uh, just everything about it struck the right notes to me. Totally. Okay, my number four is Dolores Plan Revealed. And really where I think we get the clearest pictures is, is in this exchange with Maeve, which I think happened when they somehow speared themselves into this virtual world um, at the end there, right before Dolores memory got wiped. But Maeve says, I understand your anger with them and maybe you're right. Maybe they shouldn't exist, but is that really our decision to make? And Dolores says, no, I was angry at first torn between two impulses. We could annihilate them or we can tear down their world in the hopes we can build a new one, one that's truly free. Then we can bring the others, meaning the hosts, back. So that really shows that her whole point right now is that 
to free the humans from Rehoboam's control. And she thinks that doing, and I had speculated about this in an earlier episode, but that that will hopefully create an environment where the hosts can coexist with them, I guess. It sort of begs the question to me. I mean, this season we learned that Rehoboam has this heavy amount of control over society, but um, Dolores didn't know that coming in. She just came in with a huge, you know, anger towards humanity and the desire to destroy them all. So I think she made this decision, as she said, she's been struggling with two impulses before the season even started because she also decided to give uh, Bernard control of the key. So that to me says that she was already thinking along these lines early on. And so it makes me wonder what would she have done if Rehoboam wasn't in control of everything? I mean, you know, if, if she had just come into, I don't think Rehoboam figured into her decision to try to save humanity. I, I don't know though. Cause I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think she's conveniently seemed to know a lot about everything uh, throughout the whole season, which you just have to stretch and accept to accept the plot. Yeah. Because um, she she seemed to start with a ton of knowledge. But I agree with you, the crux of her plan is coexistence. Um, and we don't really know a lot more about the details than that. But um, Sirach, speaking for Rehoboam, was very clear in their vision there can be no coexistence it's mm-hmm. us or you right and so then, she knew she had to take care of that and we thought dolores's view but now charlotte's view is it's us or you we can't coexist so yeah. dolores seems to be the one now along with bernard who felt right. this all along bernard's always been like that yeah. yes that they could uh there might be room for both but I'm not sure why. I mean, we see that Rehoboam, you know, they ask, Caleb asks him what happens if we upload the strategy. And it says it's the end of human civilization in 50 to 125 years. And uh, Maeve says to Dolores, the world you're building for them is an abattoir, which I had to look that up, but it's a slaughterhouse. So I guess um, Dolores is just, taking the risk that Rehoboam is wrong? Well, and and one thing we have kept hearing from Sirach, uh, speaking for the AI, is that Dolores's pathways are unknown, right? She's an outlier. She's unpredictable. She doesn't fit into the system, whatever. So I guess that's plausible that somehow she could lead an outcome that it can't envision. Yeah. Or, I mean, she seems to be really banking on Kayla being this big leader, which um, that's a big part of of her plan. I mean, the nuts and bolts of her plan are for her to get Caleb, who is this person that she knows is a capable fighter, but also he already exercises choice because it's all about freedom and choice and free will. And he can be kind. And he, as you said, saved her from being raped to get this guy to help her free the humans from a home's control and then eventually lead them. And so then she sends out everybody's profiles so they'll see what Rehoboam is up to. And to me, I was thinking kind of like if Rehoboam is a metaphor for God, then sending them all the profiles is like uh, letting them eat from the tree of knowledge. And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
then go to Solomon for this strategy to free to free humanity. But really, I think the reason they went to Sol- Solomon was to get a program that they could upload into Rehoboam that would give Caleb con- control so that basically he could tell it to erase itself, get rid of, get rid of it. You know, God's dead. <laughs> and, uh, right. and then, um, humanity would then be able to choose its own fate for itself. And then after that, have Caleb and also Maeve who she says, you know, I also need you to pick a side and Maeve ultimately chooses Dolores and Caleb's side there to lead. And that's, we're kind of actually left in the middle of the story. We're left in the middle of Dolores's plan, even though I think she might be gone. Um, I don't know why anyone would follow Maeve and Caleb. I don't think they're famous. So it's a little like, I have questions about that. And I also wonder why Dolores didn't trust Rehoboam's projections that humanity would destroy itself. I mean, as you said, maybe the wild card could be, well, it's not, I don't think it is Dolores anymore. Could be Maeve, could be Caleb as an, as an outlier. Maybe, you know, the, the solution is to have these outliers that are unpredictable instead of tucking them away, actually have them have a more powerful position and that could save humanity. I don't know. Seems a bit iffy to me. It's like a huge risk. It's not very flushed out, at least the whatever we know about it. Yeah. It's right. pretty vague. Yeah, and, and I think next season is gonna be the second half of this, you know, seeing it how the plan will conclude. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what's your what, number three? All right. So my number three, I entitled bitching about things I didn't like in this season. All right. I'm ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a pretty long list. I'm just warning you. Okay. Um, So a a few of them are sort of logistical and a couple of them are philosophical. Um, So, you know, I would start out just by saying the writing in the first two seasons of this show was really tight. And I, I know people complain sometimes about it being too complex or heavy handed or whatever, but I didn't think so. I thought it was brilliant. And uh, I think this year they tried to go sort of action-y, maybe because of outside criticism, maybe because of what HBO wanted, whatever. But I think it it left us with a lot of sloppy writing and just some ridiculous things going on. Mm. One that was just happened the entire season was just like, soldiers with machine guns 15 feet away spraying bullets everywhere just can't hit somebody (laughs) um and a lot of plot developments uh depended on that and when dolores ends up in action scenes with these guys she just kills them left and right because it looks cool but it it's it's a kind of a contrast where she's like trying to talk about wanting to help humanity and then she's like, but let me just kill these 10 guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but they, you had to suspend your disbelief about them not being killed like 20 times. Right. Um, you know, and then there were just little or silly things. Like the cops have these Delos riot droids, but they're trying to stop the crowds with like plastic shields and fire hoses. Uh, mm. Just silliness. One that bugged me the whole year, and I, I just, I wish I could stop obsessing about it, but it bugged me, was just the lack of security around Rehoboam. I know. And Solomon, too. I mean, I was shocked to know that Sirach right. was shocked to find out that Caleb got in there in this episode. 
Right. It, I mean, because like, you've been pointing it out to me, so I'm hyper aware of it, but I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but I mean, you could have had some good plotting and action around like a Mission Impossible like way of clever way of getting in there. Yeah. But, but like in here, this, it's just kind of go there. And I mean, in this episode, literally, Caleb <laughs> shoots a couple guys. He takes a guard's key card. Uh, right. Everything in this world is supposedly keyed to your DNA and all this stuff. Apparent, but apparently insight with the AI you're, that is running the entire world, you can access just with anybody's key card. <laughs> and I'm like, is this like the building I work at in San Francisco or is this insight? <laughs> I think the building you work at is more secure. It probably is. <laughs> and then you can port into that AI that's running the entire world with a thumb drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't like all that stuff. Um, It'd be it, funny it just, if he's like, this doesn't fit this port. Right. <laughs> it's incompatible. <laughs> it's USB 2.0. <laughs> so all that's just sloppy. I, one thing I also couldn't had trouble putting aside in this episode was like anybody who's seen like two science fiction movies in their life. Here's one thing you never do. Let your computer based enemy connect to your own supercomputer. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, they could have probed Dolores' memory with a regular Delos computer, right? No, nope, they had to plug it directly into right. the most so, important thing. So that was kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, I thought there were some plot things during this year that just popped up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, Lawrence is here? Like, why did she make him particularly? And what's he been doing all year? And how did he become a San Francisco cop? Was there a guy that looked exactly like him? And just stuff that um, mm -hmm. why did Bernard allow the man in white to run free and shoot stubs, but then apparently just abandon him at a gas station. Right. Cause he next shows up right somewhere totally else. Yeah. I mean this season in part, it kind of feels like let's show some familiar faces because people like them. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that was all the little stuff that kind of bugged me all year. Yeah. Just, it's just sloppy. I mean, some of the things that have bugged me about the show, maybe since the beginning, are sometimes it feels like the um, emotional beats are a bit underbaked and corny. And one of them is Maeve's entire motivation is that she wants to get back to her daughter. But we've never seen her with her daughter very we have but not much not enough to let us feel that bond so it feels like you know writer reason <laughs> to me it's a bit weak and yeah then, i agree with that and we already know that mave knows she has another mom exactly so um so i that's mean kind of weak we you know one thing they did this season that kind of helps as sad as it is is they showed that mave was ready to kill herself because she thought there's no point in going on living. I can't get back to her. And, and so, but, um, that is really her soulmate of motivation. She really made that clear this episode. And it's always felt like, I wish I could feel that in my bones a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I think Westworld has had a, a bit of that, um, here and there, even in seasons one and two, I can't think of any specifics, but I, I know I felt that this show is a bit more about, you know, cool science things and also postulating on philosophy. And I don't feel as emotionally connected to it always as much as I do on the other shows that I really like a lot. Yeah. It's about big ideas, but you also have to care. 
Yeah. And it does it well sometimes, but not enough for me. Right. So, okay. All that stuff was like the sloppy details. Yeah. But I had two major philosophical quarrels with this season Mm. um, that go to the heart of really caring about it and believing in it. One is, and this came up again in this episode with this whole thing of she chose Caleb because he showed he could be kind and he did a kindness for her in the park and um, all this. The humans, for the most part, the humans in the park do not know that the hosts are sentient. Okay? To them, it's like us playing a video game. So to hinge the whole thing on the morality of them being nice or mean to the hosts is unfair. It it doesn't ring true. Yeah. Uh, To me, I mean, maybe we're learning more about their fantasies than we would like to know, (laughs) their violent (laughs) fantasies. Right. But that is not the same as knowingly inflicting suffering on a conscious creature. Totally. And And I think most humans would opt out of it if they knew. Like maybe some wouldn't, maybe the man in black wouldn't, but most people would. Yeah, and 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 that would be a different story point if if the humans did know that the hosts were conscious and then still decided to do that and uh Caleb stopped it, that would be a bigger deal. Right. And but I think that happened. right, and the emotional direction of Dolores and this whole story hinges on this. She's acting as if it was all intentional. Right. It's like if um, Caleb was on the couch next to you and, and you were playing Grand Theft Auto and he's like, don't run over those people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it just, um, it, to me, that's a huge flaw in the whole yeah. thing. And then the second one that bugs me is not so much a plot problem, but um, this is more personal. And I'll give us a warning here to people that um, some of what I, I say may sound political to some people. Um, and if you don't like that, you can skip ahead, but I'm going to give my opinion. I just don't agree with, and I think this is mostly coming from Jonathan Nolan more so than Lisa Joy from what I've read of the two of them, but I, I don't agree with his sort of nihilistic philosophy. So I think there's all kinds of good points. We should be wary of big tech Uh, and the ways in which it's controlling our lives that we can't see, this is a danger in our society. It's a problem. But where we arrived at the end of this episode is saying, tear it all down is the only way to proceed. (laughs) That's the only way the humans can get any sort of real quality of life or freedom of choice. Uh, And same. Bernard says same thing for the host. We had to burn our whole world down. And I just don't agree with that. I think in a dense, highly technically advanced, interconnected society, it actually can make things much, much worse to tear things down. And I think we're seeing that play out right now. In in reality, in America, in the pandem- pandemic we're living through, you know, we have a leadership right now that believed in tearing down the government, and the result is really bad. And... We have people like protesting against collective self-sacrifice to help the group. And I think that's bad. And to me, a society is a balance between individual free will and collective self-sacrifice. And there's a ton of room to argue where exactly the balance should be. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe the correct balance is 
burn down all order and all institutions and a new thing will grow from the ashes. I think that actually is a way to cause a lot of destruction and suffering. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the sentiment today is about tearing down the government or, you know, not having a lot of it, but it's, um, you know, thinking about individualism as also equating with corporations and you got to, sort of regulate the balance of power like you said there's room for debate and that's really important because it needs to be about a constant balancing of all that stuff and if you just tear one of these institutions down then the balance is gone (laughs) and the power all resides in in one area and that's that's yeah and i i think where we are and a lot of what we've been living through is a an impulse of people to tear down our institutions because of their failures. And that I don't disagree with a lot of the failures, but to me, the way to make it better is to try to make it better, not destroy it and hope something better will magically rise. Right. But in the process of making it better, you have to look at, sometimes it does make sense to pull power from one area and put it to the other place to keep the balance, you know? It and does. So you but can so argue you, about right. whether the country's out of balance um, and how so. And some people probably think that it's out of balance because the government has too much power. And some people think the corporations have too much power. Right. I mean, so to look at it in a Westworld sense, like her only option wasn't to have Rehoboam destroy itself maybe Rehoboam could be reprogrammed for good. Mm-hmm. I, I can't rewrite the story for them. Uh, I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I don't phys- philosophically, it didn't Her solution land is with anarchy. something I agree with. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't, I, I really, yeah, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting is I don't think that a lot of what we're seeing in our society right now is anarchists. I think it's the difference between whether the control should be more towards the government or towards well, I guess towards individuals, you yeah. could say. I mean, I don't want to take us too far off track, no, but I, I, know, I, don't, I don't agree with you. I think some of what we have been seeing recently, like in the last few weeks, is no, no one can tell me what to do. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, but let, yeah, let's not pull yeah. it that too far in that direction. Yeah. But one thing about, you know, Jonathan Nolan's sort of uh, pessimistic attitude, possibly, I do think there's a glimmer of um, positivity here because he's, you know, has Dolores saying, I noticed the kindness of people. And I'm like, yeah, they show young William picking up a can for her. That's what did it really. But it was also um, Caleb preventing her from being raped. And we saw that there was a flaw in that. But from, Dolores's point of view, that's that's absolutely a, a huge deal. And she mentioned that humans knew enough of beauty to teach it to us. And so maybe they can rediscover it or whatever she said. So I feel like, yeah, this is sort of Jonathan Nolan's fantasy of how to get back to this ideal state of humanness. But I, but I did like that, you know, it went in this positive direction, acknowledging that there's a lot of really good in humans. Yeah. And I agree with that. There was some hope. In it, yeah, it it did make me laugh that the big example of kindness was he picked up a can and handed it to her. But I know that was meant to symbolize that he was actually kind to her for a while. Um, so fair I enough. I didn't see him handing any yeah. cans to anybody else. 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. And it, I thought it was funny too that um, Dolores calls uh, Caleb on having the hots for her, and that's why I know rescuer. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I don't know what. What do you leave me alone? All right. So that was uh, probably way more than people wanted here. Over to you. They skipped forward. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they did. Okay, my number three is, um, and I think that's you had some great points, so I'm just kidding around. Um, the show going forward. So Insight has been exposed and Rehoboam has been erased, and so now Netflix won't suggest shows that people might want to watch. And <laughs> <laughs> No. No, riot in the streets. And, um, when, you know, when Rehoboam was shut down, I'm like, ooh, how will humanity cope? But really, it's kind of like everyone is reset to where we were about 30 or 40 years ago before the internet. Right. I mean, I guess you could equate Rehoboam forces. It it mostly equates with, well, it does equate with the internet, but it's also more about societal engineering and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think if before we had the internet, did we still have forces like that? I guess you could say we did. I'm just trying to think that, does destroying Rehoboam actually reset humanity back even further than, than my life or civilization? I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I think we don't know the extent to which the rest of technology is still going to function. Uh-huh. Um, although I think that we learn in the bonus scene that um, actually things are still functioning. Like there's still a Delos office somewhere that looked like right. a pretty normal office building with a receptionist and they had technology and tablets and communications. Yeah. And and you know what, too, um, while we're on that subject, if you are listening to this and you didn't watch past the credits, you should probably just pause and go back and watch because there was a there was a scene after the credits. They've done that all three years, right? Uh, I know they did in two. I'm not sure about one, did they? Did one have a bonus I scene? I don't know. I don't remember. I think I don't think so. I think it was just Dolores firing her gun into the crowd. Yeah, you might yeah. be right. I have to go look. So that anyway, regardless of that, the purpose of the season was sort of to unlock the free will of humanity. Caleb says she gave me a choice. I believe the rest of the world deserves that too. And and Dolores has an optimistic view. I mean, Ford said of humanity, we're done. This is as good as we're going to get. And Bernard said, they're just algorithms designed to survive at all costs, but sophisticated enough to think they're calling the shots, to think they're in control when they're really just, and Ford says, the passenger. Angarad was a passenger, you know, just following whatever Rehoboam said. But this ending suggests that, and we've heard bits of this all season, that Dolores thinks that, giving them their freedom is the best chance for their own thriving and survival and also coexistence with the hosts. And we see like, because everybody's all rioting and everything because of what they found out about insight, the rioters and protesters are all wearing crazy clothes and they have signs like we will not be categorized. They're exercising their freedom, but it's chaotic. There's explosions and violence Um, But Bernard has changed his tune now. He says humanity never reckoned with its own sins. Our world had to burn down before we could be free. So he's on the side of Dolores now. And the title is Crisis Theory. 
which I th- I've read different interpretations of that. There's a couple definitions of crisis theory in socioeconomics. It says that basically profits in a capitalist society will eventually decline, leading to a collapse of the system and revolt. But it's also uh, like a social, like a psychological concept that sometimes people need to get to a place of extreme vulnerability before they can evolve. And both of those definitions are at play here. Humanity's in this place where it's sort of can't come apart. And now we're going to see how it comes back together. And this could be an opportunity for someone to come in and lead it to a better direction, which is, I think what Dolores is hoping that Caleb and Maeve will do. But as far as the show going forward, we have that whole thing and we have a new villain for the season, as we mentioned, um, Shaloris, who is just basically pissed because Dolores, I mean, I think it's clear now that Ciroc is the one that blew up her family. Would you agree with that? I think Ciroc blew up her family. Yes. Because she says, uh, you know, Dolores says, I was so worried about you. And she says, were you, you made me go back in there. You knew I wouldn't make it. So that's saying she's mad because she put her in a dangerous situation, not because she's actually the one that did it. Yeah. And Dolores was not worried about her. It's like, we all know that wasn't true. (laughs) I know. Oh, I was so worried. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, she's going to be a factor next season for sure. We see her printing out a ton of hosts and she's printed out this host William and tells him you're going to save the world for us. And so, yeah, it could be interesting. I don't know. I mean, one thing that Jonathan Nolan has said is that he likes that the show can be completely different every season. And so I'm a little concerned that if what we're set up for next season is just a war between the host and the humans, that it might be too much like this season with the, machine gun in the streets kind of thing. Yeah. Let's hope not. I hope they can find an interesting way of doing it. But all we know now is that the humans are free, that Caleb and Maeve are supposed to lead them to something and that they have this huge antagonist with Shaloris and a bunch of hosts that she's printing out. And I hope they can find a way to make that interesting. And when I first saw this episode, I wasn't excited about next season, but then when I, watched again and thought about it some more. I got more excited. So now I'm, I'm excited. I probably won't come for another couple of years, but I hope they do it. Well, it does not seem like it will come for a couple of years. Um, just to follow up on crisis theory. Uh, interesting. You know, what I mostly found on that had more to do with psychology Mm -hmm. and psychiatry more so than economics or, or um, anything more sort of external to society and yeah, macro um, scale. Yeah. Yeah. So um, crisis intervention theory attempts to empower an individual or party that is currently undergoing a crisis situation by helping them to viable solutions that can help ameliorate the problems causing extreme tension and stress. And then this definition went on to say in a crisis, usual methods of problem solving are not effective or not available. And the person becomes more willing to try new ways of problem solving, Mm -hmm. including professional help. And this results in growth. So I I was thinking how that relates to some of these characters, like every one of them, even within this season, like Caleb has had to go through something to get to the point where they are willing to be a part of the solution. Yep. 
Um, and I think you can, even with that psychological filter, you can kind of apply it to what's going on because everyone has just been sent their insight profiles and realized how much of their life was prescribed and they didn't even know it. So they're all so agitated that they're willing to go out into the streets and riot. So you could also say just psychologically that this would be an opportunity for someone to come in and redirect all of that. Anxiety yeah, I agree. And it, and I think in the title, they're pointing to, we, we are seeing the plot through a lot of external crises, mm-hmm. um, this group versus that group and the AI and the humans and the, this and that. But I think they're saying it's really a psychic crisis, an emotional crisis mm-hmm. um, that's at the heart of it. Yep. Um, okay. So for my number two, I, I will continue with where essentially where we are. Uh, entering season four, I kind of see the teams as this. Um, I think it's Maeve, Caleb, remember Clementine and Hanario are still out there. Bernard is still out there. Stubbs may or may not be out there as Pearl still exists. And then I, I saw some speculation. Is there going to be a Charlotte? Is there going to be a uh, Dolores or not? There's still two Dolores Pearls active. Um, so, uh, Clementine and Hanario took one out of Musashi, um, mm. and they, we didn't see them in this episode. And then presumably Lawrence is a Dolores mm-hmm. and Shaloris if, if you count that one, but I guess, we right, <laughs> right. Although she's gone pretty far off yeah. the script, but there's at least two that still seem like they're on the, on the team. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel confident we're going to see Evan Rachel Wood again. I do too. And even if they find some way to do it without using those, which could very well be a possibility given the creativity of the show, I, I feel like she's not gone for good. Although I do, it did feel like they were saying that this version of her that we have seen through these first three seasons and that was in that Pearl, which is basically their soul is gone. Yes. Uh, agreed. So it's all of them. Seems like all of them versus the, um, Shaloris bot army, uh, which includes the man in black. Mm-hmm. It, it also occurred to me to wonder later, we were at a Delos facility, so I assume she is printing hosts, but that room also looked kind of like the uh, outlier humans in suspended animation. Um, just made me wonder about that a little bit if they have a role to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one setup. One setup is what did uh, Bernard find in the sublime and what are we going to learn about that? And how does that play in? Uh, We're given to understand that a lot of time has gone by because he's covered in dust. I would think the hotel maids would have at least dusted him off. (laughs) I said that to Karen. It's like what you could just see like the next morning, right? Like, uh, sir. Housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so either society has collapsed or this motel has a really bad housekeeping staff. <laughs> and I also thought he could have taken like a 20 minutes to save Stubbs at some point. He kept saying, yeah. uh, too busy to save you. Sorry. Yeah. I, don't worry. I'm yeah. going to put you back. Together. I just got to yeah. do this one thing. Yeah. It's going to take a hundred years. <laughs> and then he said goodbye as if it seemed like, you know, he said you were a good friend, Stubbs. That sounds like a goodbye to me. It does. Fuck you, Bernard. Yeah, but he still has the pearl, so presumably Stubbs could be recreated. Yeah, I don't know if those pearls 
we don't know anything about them. Can they stay viable if they're sitting in a body that has died for a while? Who knows? Yeah, I don't Maybe. Know. Whatever the writers d- decide, I suppose. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then just to touch back on what we were just talking about, you know, what is the strategy? Um, but as I was saying, it seems like although chaos has broken out, you know, there's riots in the streets, Rehoboam's been erased, and maids are not cleaning motel rooms. <laughs> there still seems to be at least somewhere a functioning society uh, with um, way too few security guards because apparently in that Delos facility, you can shoot one security guard and then walk right into the lab. <laughs> Although she was expecting him, so maybe he was manipulated into to You would think. There. I mean, it was yeah. either that or it was just a really crazy coincidence that she just happened to have another William right there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But I think actually given all that, it sets up as a pretty interesting season to come. Yeah. I mean, what do you think it's going to be like? Yeah. If there's a semblance of society, then the host that Charlotte is making could integrate and fool people. But if it's like a Mad Max thing, that's going to be maybe a whole different story. You know? Yes, I I think it's gonna no idea, but guessing <laughs> it's gonna be somewhere between the two. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a society with some chaos, but I don't think it's completely collapsed. And even Rehoboam's prediction wasn't that it was going to collapse that fast. Let's see. For my number two, um, the whole thing with host William, it was it was funny that they repeated the same line. <laughs> but I felt like, oh man, that was a main character who just died and it felt a little anticlimactic, I guess. I think that was confirmation that he was a human, which we never knew for sure. But I, did you also take it as confirmation we're going to see Ed Harris again? Because we have the man in black. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- And I also wondered, based on that interview that I read a couple episodes ago, whether ed harris was like i just want to play the man in black okay can you figure out a way to do that (laughs) (laughs) got his wish (laughs) right and and it made me wonder if that uh william host is the one that we saw at the end of season two which apparently was in the far future you know and uh whether that i mean i i assume that this one is not it's complicated but we've seen that host hybrids don't work where you take you somehow extract a human consciousness and try to put it in a host body. We saw it with James Dellis that that didn't work. So I assume that this William that we saw in this episode is just sort of like Bernard. He's a um, approximation of William's personality in a host, but still maybe the one that we saw in this at the end of the season two far future could be that same host body that we just saw. But then they have extracted William's data because he was wearing that hat in the park. So right. maybe that could be a host hybrid. Plus Charlotte knew him well, so maybe and Dolores knew him well, so maybe there's some memories there involved. Yeah. Yeah. He's and she was like, Yeah, it's not that hard to replicate you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're pretty simple. <laughs> so I didn't have much to say about that. That's my number two. Okay. Uh my number one was simply Maeve. I think Maeve was although arguably my favorite character at this point she was pretty frustrating and disappointing most of the season they just never gave her agency until now yes yeah and and um she just has great style 
she had a great power outfit, which kind of reminded me of Cersei's uh, power outfit at this point. Mm-hmm. She always gets the best quotes. Um, yeah. No one, no one gets to play with the big ball, darling. Um, I love that. She gets to say her, this is the new world line again, but with so much more knowledge behind it than when she was running the Mariposa. Yeah. And it has, it has, I love that because it had um, a broader meaning in, within the context of uh, you get, to, she goes, you get to decide to be whoever the fuck you want. Right. And when she said that in the Mariposa, it was about getting to, you know, have sex with who you want. Basically it was a sexual thing. And it wasn't really, thing. it really wasn't true. Um, it, it was just sort of a fake statement about a fake world. It was a seduction. Yeah. 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 And an invitation to pretend. And, but right. here it's like, okay, now you're off your loop and you have free will. So what are you going to do with it? So I, yeah, I really like that line. Yeah. It's the first time she got to say it, that it was real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finally gets to make a choice and the choice she makes is pretty satisfying. She dumps uh Ciroc in favor of uh Dolores's plan and a chance of free will and a chance for humanity. Mm-hmm. And she like uses her brain power to disable that control device and and I think, you know, you could argue it's believable that she never tried it before now because that wasn't the only control he had over her. He also was dangling this carrot of her getting to see her daughter. Yeah, and I I think just in general, her full power now has come to fruition. Both her physical skills, you know, with the katana and her, she's a formidable fighter, but also the manipulation of the electronic world, the the controller, she communicates with Dolores, she communicates directly with her hoboam. So she's She's in a position to be the hero next season. Yeah, she's a badass and with a good side of uh, sarcasm. And yeah. I think, and I think we have a rooting interest here. Maeve's easy to root for. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, and it was frustrating this season that she was under Sirach's thumb and kind of helpless, and that we questioned why she wouldn't sort of rebel and go with Dolores. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, maybe we wouldn't have questioned that as much as much if we would have actually felt the emotional connection between her and her daughter. So anyway, my point though, is just that Maeve's character is like, ah, we want, we know it can be better. I mean, the whole season was like that to me. It was like some really great ideas, but I just wish that they could have been executed to their full potential. And Maeve's character was much like that too. Yeah. And one other little detail, remember that, um, well, we think of her as being mad at Dolores for killing Hector, her main squeeze. Mm-hmm. It actually was Charlotte. It was the Charlotte Dolores that did yeah. it. So there's going to be a little uh, extra animosity there. Right. Good point. Yeah. And I don't know if it's fully dawned on her that they're two different people now, but I'm sure it will. If it yeah. And she may not know the whole of what's going on with uh yeah with charlotte okay my number one is bernard and lawrence dolores told bernard you have to go and see her first bernard thought he meant dolores i'm sure but he meant arnold's wife lauren to make amends for how he left things with her which basically was to kill himself in the park right after their son died I think this is the first uh, confirmation that that woman, Lauren, is actually real, right? It was a question before because we knew that 
um, Ford had programmed Bernard to experience uh, video chats with Lauren, but they weren't real. Yeah, I questioned this whole thing a little bit um, because, yeah. yes, we, we're now being told that Arnold's history is exactly Bernard's backstory. And I, yeah. I think that was a lot more questionable before. Right. But apparently, I mean, it is like he went yeah. to her. And, and I think the reason why they had her suffering from dementia was because otherwise she'd just be like, oh, what are you? Well, I thought you were dead. And why haven't you aged? <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a little convenient. Yeah. yeah. But to be honest, I, I didn't really get the point of this scene. And and I don't know how Bernard even knows so much about Charlie if he was built using Dolores's memories of Arnold's. I guess they programmed that into him so he would have a cornerstone, right? Um, but uh, besides, aside from that, I I didn't really understand why Dolores would want to send him back there to have that confrontation. Why was it so important to her? Um. It- it's not a hundred percent clear to me either. I mean, theorizing that it seems like the conversation did allow Bernard to turn a corner in a way and move forward, possibly in a way he couldn't before. Mm, to uh, just and, have closure around. Yeah, it. Yeah. And he is very important to her. And the other thing I thought is maybe she was just doing a nice thing for her only friend. Hmm. Yeah, it show. I mean, that's what I came up with that it showed her empathy and compassion, right? Which this episode was kind of about. Um, later, we see Lawrence has, or not later, earlier, we see that Lawrence Dolores has this briefcase, which we wondered about last episode. Sato slash Musashi was carrying it and said it was really important to get it to him. Remember? Right, and don't come back to- if you fail. Yeah. So they give it to Bernard and uh, in it is this visor that he uses to access the sublime. Basically turns out to be an Oculus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just Oculus version 12 or whatever. Um, So he says he's hoping to find an answer to what comes after the end of the world, which why, why? I don't know. Whatever. Fine. Um, and then he goes into it and he, he's like engaged with whatever's in there. And then he looks like he's kind of shut down or at least he's so deep in it that it, his body kind of goes to sleep. And then we see him waking up from it. I think it was dusty. reminiscent of what happened to the original hosts when they went into the sublime. Remember they fell yeah. into the, the, the lake and their brains were erased. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Like his mind just went somewhere else for a while, although it would have been, then his body should have slumped totally down, but I think you're right. Um, but then he's all, he wakes up from it and he's dusty and it, it, you know, reminded me of the scene with William in season two at the end, like it's a far future scene, but is it a far, far future? How we don't know. I mean, this is a mystery, so it's okay not to know it's, they're going to reveal it next season, but it makes me wonder if, um, if it's so far that he would get that dusty, then maybe we won't even see this next season. Maybe Bernard will be sitting in a hotel room the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to think that this is going to be a plot point for next season. I would think that Jeffrey Wright makes too much money to just have him sit in a hotel room covered in dust for a whole season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe we'll see Teddy, you know, cause he's in the sublime. 
Um, I'm curious about it. I, I have no doubt in my mind we're going to get to see some action in the Sublime, and I, I'm actually really looking forward to that. That's been a black box since that mm. end of that season. I mean, I at the time, at the end of season two, I just thought, oh, here's a convenient way to have some of the characters have a happily ever after in a kind of a nice but boring place. So hopefully they'll be able to figure out a way to make that exciting if they do go back to it. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's gone horribly wrong or something unexpected has happened (laughs) yeah teddy's reverted back to his aggressive self and become the overlord yeah (laughs) uh last with bernard is i i i'm still not sure what this duality with bernard is where he flicks a switch and turns into an assassin um i mean i kind of thought maybe that was a way for him to access the version of himself that ford employed when he needed some dirty work done but i really don't quite understand it i think that's what it is i think that's the way he was built with sort of this um unconscious violent side okay all right i'm just gonna pretend that's it until i find out different (laughs) (laughs) okay got any notes uh just a couple brain damage pink floyd song from dark side of the moon Mm -hmm. was also the song used in the season three trailer so it was fun to see that come back at the very end of the season. Uh, and since this season was more literal and direct than the first two, I just took it to kind of directly symbolize Rehoboam erasing its own brain. I love that song. And it's, yeah, it's about the dark side of the moon. So I also think it's, it's, and it's about lunacy, which I've talked about on this podcast a lot where lunacy is kind of in the eye of the beholder. And the dark side of the moon to me represents this part of yourself that is usually hidden, but now there's parts of people that are being exposed all around the world because this controlling force is gone and they're able to, you know, stretch and move in new ways with their new free will. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it relates in that kind of a way. Yep. Um, but a great choice. Yeah. I love that song. I like that the man in black finally seems to have arrived at full Yulebrenner. So <laughs> it doesn't have multi multiple facets to its character anymore. It's just uh, the killer, killer Android. Mm-hmm. And uh, last one for me is um, I didn't notice a lot of call outs uh, in this one. Certainly not to sci-fi. You mentioned fight club, but one I did was the way they showed the room with all the, um, the hosts being built at the very, very end where at first you're like, Whoa, she's building some hosts in there. Whoa. That's a lot of hosts. Oh my God. And then it just goes on and on and on. And yeah. On. That's cool. Uh, and to me, that was sort of a call out to the Raiders of the lost Ark where they're wheeling the Ark into this room. Then the room gets bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and, uh, the guy says to Indiana Jones, we have top men working on it. And he's like, who top, men and then you just see this thing being wheeled into this endless room so anyway it reminded me of that that was a cool scene in indiana jones and in this week's episode yeah agreed i want to know how dolores had time to be in park five when she was like the main attraction of westworld that did totally track for me great question (laughs) and at first I thought, well, it's a different Dolores, like same body, you know, just different version. But then it wouldn't make sense that she has that memory. Yeah. It's gotta be I her. I feel like that's a 
Department of Suspension of Disbelief. Yeah, agreed. Um, another Department of Suspension of Disbelief. <laughs> it's almost maybe it was a parody, but when Serac points a gun at Caleb's head, and Caleb's like, I, "I don't care, shoot me," and then he pulls it away and tells his men, "Kill him here, then dump his body." It's like I'm watching Batman 1966 or something. <laughs> right. He could have just killed him. <laughs> yeah. Just shoot him. Uh, and then when he, when Caleb says to Rehoboam, Rehoboam, execute the final command, erase yourself. It seems like, you know, a dialogue box would come up and be like, are you sure <laughs> <laughs> you want to yeah. do that? <laughs> yeah. Y slash N. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, when Dolores Merck's turn on her and Caleb because Charloris has offered them more money and Dolores says to her assistant, her like virtual assistant, find out how much she's paying them offer the sniper three times as much to shoot the other two and walk away. I'm like, they need to update that Rico app. So it's not so easy to pay someone else's goons to kill each other. <laughs> That's true. Like, it seems like there should be some. <laughs> yeah. It, or that would be happening a lot. <laughs> I did like that though. I thought it was a clever yeah. way of dealing with the problem. Yeah, it was quick. Yeah. Angerod's hearing Rehoboam's voice brings to mind the concept of the, the bicameral mind that Ford told us about where hearing the voice of God or so to speak in your head helps bootstrap consciousness until your own voice can take over. Although in this case he had completely surrendered to it. So it's the reverse. His voice was, yeah, it was like the reverse. Yeah. The bicameral mind took over the conscious mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, absolutely. Which also happens in real life. Um, and then lastly, do you think that Ford would be proud of Dolores at this point? Um, I do. I, I don't think um, he was another guy who felt you couldn't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. So mm -hmm. I don't think he'd be disappointed at that. And I think just for something he created to be as successful as she was in overcoming, overthrowing society, I think he'd be pretty excited about that. And I, I think he would think she did yeah. demonstrate consciousness. She she made a choice. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, where there's a question for me is that Ford, I think, had a really dim view of humanity uh, and Dolores has come to this place where she wants to try to help them and coexist with them. But I still think that he would have been, he, he, I think he could evolve. So yeah. Still hoping we'll somehow see him again. I know. I, I think there's a pretty good chance we will by the end of this. I hope so too. In the meantime, let's take a little break, but there's more to come. So stay with us. Okay, Variety talked with Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy about the episode. They say, so let's start with the most immediate question. Is Evan Rachel Wood leaving the show? 
and then it says six second pause. <laughs> and then Jonathan Nolan says, I fucking hope not. Let me clarify. Dolores is gone. We're not yet discussing publicly the direction the show's taking, but the fun thing about this show is, you know, from the beginning, Lisa and I wanted to make a show that constantly reinvented itself. That could be a different show every season. I think it's important with a show in which death can be impermanent. These are robots after all to mark the occasion with Dolores. That version of that character is gone. We love Evan Rachel Wood and we haven't started talking publicly about exactly what the show looks like going forward, but it looks very different. So it sounds like she'll be back in some form or another. They ask the protest against insight in the finale were quite evocative given how in just the last two weeks and really even the last few days, there have been intense protests around the country over restrictions around COVID-19 pandemic. You shot the finale many months ago, so what was it like for you guys to watch the world leaning much more closely to the world of your show than you could have anticipated? Nolan says, listen, in terms of timing, we were much more inspired by the Hong Kong protests, which were in 2019. I never anticipated in a million years anyone would be fucking stupid enough to protest, you know, a disease, right? I mean, you're looking for these moments where the way America used to fucking be where we would take on was clearly a collective impersonal non-political problem and we would tackle it as a nation together so there's his view on that <laughs> well i appreciate that thank you john i feel better <laughs> <laughs> he says it's or they say it's been reported in the past that you've conceived westworld telling its story over six seasons is that still your goal he says i just want to clarify you know lisa and i have never actually talked about a number of seasons because i think you'd be foolish to things change circumstances change I think when we sat down to do the show, we didn't quite realize how difficult it would be to make this show, how many years it would take per season. I think when we had the plan, it didn't actually map out to a specific number of seasons exactly. It was a beginning, a middle, and an end. And Lisa Joy says it would be like working on an, a novel and saying this novel is going to be 436 pages. Nolan says, exactly. We've been very, very lucky to work with this cast, this crew, and now partnering with Denise. I'm not sure who that is. When you have a show going like this, you want to stay as long as you're telling a compelling story. We're heading towards that end, but we haven't completely mapped it out. At this point, part of the work is looking at the rest of the story you have to tell. It's two impulses, one against the other. You don't want to walk away from people who are as talented and cool as this. They're all lovely, lovely people, and they love working together. We like working together. At the same time, you don't want to outstay your welcome. You have a story to tell and you want to go out without feeling like you've outstayed your welcome. So we're trying to balance those things a bit. So yeah, he's not really answering, but it's interesting to hear that it's sort of, at least if you can trust what he's saying, not exactly mapped out, but they have an end in mind. It is going to be interesting to me to see what the world situation does to the making of shows and movies. It's got affected in some way. It's affected everything, finances, facilities, um, the fact that content's going to be backed up into the pipeline. So I'm sure it's a factor. I don't know if it's a positive or negative, but it's got to have something to do with it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes me anxious just to think about it, but I'm just going to chill out and wait and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to wait a while on this one. Uh, yeah. Um, if we were sitting in a motel room waiting, we'd probably have as much dust on us as Bernard. <laughs> <I know> <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing. Just waiting for the next season <laughs> to start. <laughs> right. Waiting for this virus to pass. Yeah. 
Uh, Vanity Fair talked with Thandi Newton, who plays Maeve. Um, it's in article format, so I'll read it. Fans impatient to see their favorite Mariposa Madam wriggle out from under the thumb of Vincent Cassell's villainous Serac may have rejoiced in Maeve's last-minute rally to Dolores' side. As Newton herself admits, Maeve being on the wrong side of the fight has been tough at times. Quote, I loved her agency in season one. I loved how uncompromising she was. It's been strangely frustrating, certainly for the character. Well, I guess for me too, in a way, but all with a purpose. In a way, Maeve's agency starts again in the season three finale. I've spent basically pretty much seasons two and three floundering, learning some katana skills and creating a path for the audience to better understand what the hosts have been dealing with. And then Vanity Fair continues. If any of that sounds negative all at all, that's not Newton's attitude in the slightest. When it comes to talking about Westworld, she's glowing. Quote, I really trust these guys, she says of the Westworld writers. I think they're master storytellers. Season four, she posits, is the season of Westworld where the show needs to convince Maeve she wants to be in this fight after all. Quote, I feel like that would be a good guide for the next season. Make me give a shit about what she's doing. <laughs> so you can tell she's kind of feeling like we are about it. Yeah, it's really funny to hear that she felt that way, too. <laughs> I can imagine. Okay, let's move on to some listener feedback. Okay, uh, James Aducci says, first of all, thanks for the podcast. Uh, you're welcome. I could never make any sense of this show without it. Ha <laughs> we've got him off on the wrong track. Um, all in all, the finale was kind of a hash. A lot of walking around in the dark and shooting. A lot of questions. What's the deal with Metal Frame Dolores? How and why did Shellorus freeze Dolores? That's a good question. Did we know the answer to that? She mentioned something about Delos, and I thought that she used the technology that she had access to at Delos gotcha. to, uh, to figure out. But yeah, it wasn't really said. Got it. Um, why did they have to delete Dolores' memory to search it? Uh, unclear. Um, I think they wanted to kill her anyway. Mm-hmm. How did Dolores' memories defeat Rehoboam, the most sophisticated computer ever built? Just gave control of it to Caleb. Right. I think she had a Trojan horse, basically, mm -hmm. built into her. Malware. She delivered malware to it. Um, how did Maeve get into Dolores' head? That's the ability we've seen earlier in her, um, although not always clear why she didn't use it earlier in this season. Why Dolores's deathbed conversation to seeing the good in humanity, although I did like the callback to her mantra from season one about seeing the good in the world. Uh, why Maeve's conversion? Good callback to the duel scene in Return of the Jedi, though Darth Vader converts, kills the Emperor. Not my idea, stolen from EW Recap. Hmm. <laughs> How did uh, Maeve override Serac's off button? I assume Dolores isn't really permanently dead and sci-fi death isn't all that permanent. You can get better. Rehoboam was really right. Buildings blowing up 10 minutes after he's <laughs> offline. That's funny. Uh, loved the post-credit scenes. We did too. Although I wondered if that was Lawrence Dolores because when we saw him, he pointed to a big giant like vat of it said on the side flammable liquid or something like that oh that's and a good said, call i didn't even think fireworks of that. are going to be later tonight yeah i didn't think of that that's a great call it probably was him 
Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, looks like we're back to free will versus fate. What's the right thing? Which are man's, which are man's eternal dilemma? And Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, awesome choice of music in itself. There is no Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> the battle <laughs> continues. As a matter of fact, it's all dark. CJ Dan, I thought this season was a pretty good recovery from the stumble that was season two. Hard to beat the bar that season one was, but like that they tried something a bit different. Aaron Paul was great, and I'd be interested in him continuing in the series. I think he will. I think you're in luck, yeah. Robin Simon says, this whole season has been so disappointing to me. Counterpoint, not sure I'll bother coming back, which I can't even believe I'm saying considering how much I used to love it. But I do think that the trailer for Lovecraft Country looked awesome. I didn't see that. Oh, we saw it. It looks really good. Oh, Um, yeah. HBO show? Yep. Jordan Peele. JJ uh, cool. J. J. Abrams involved. Uh, it looks Uh-oh. like sort of horror sci-fi drama. It looks great. Nice. From John Bucket, really started to lose interest this season, mainly due to a lack of any character to get behind. Also, the silly gunfights, particularly in this finale episode, automatic weapons at point blank range still missing. I know it's nitpicky, but it's symptomatic of my lack of emotional involvement that it bothered me. Um, John, totally feel you on this one, and I totally agree. That bugged me all yeah. season two. <laughs> and Marie Hellman says, I was confused overall. So she was a Terminator all season, but in the end, she loved humanity so much she was actually trying to save it. Counting down till Wednesday to see what you guys think. Hopefully we cleared it up a little bit. Lindsay Schlicht says, I am also feeling underwhelmed. I think I even dozed off for a few moments. <laughs> The last 15 minutes or so were kind of interesting. It's nice to know rooting for Dolores was the right thing. I'd be sad, I'll be sad if the actress is gone for good. I have nothing against Aaron Paul and he's been a fun addition, but if Dolores is gone for real and he is our new hero, it feels undeserved and frankly annoying. Yet again, the girl can never end as the actual hero has to go to the guy. Looking at you, Game of Thrones. <laughs> As I write this, I'm struggling to even remember the episode I was so bored. I'll be interested to hear you guys break it down, as you usually make my view a little more positive by the end. Thanks for the great podcast. Helps me figure out this show every season. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Tracy Walker, I feel underwhelmed. I can't really think of anything that happened that makes me think, oh my God, how will I be able to stand waiting until 2022? I feel like I will literally literally forget about it and then it'll come back and I'll be like, oh yeah, Westworld, I guess I'll check it out. (laughs) Also, Dolores picking Kayla because he's one of the few men who didn't rape her seems like a pretty low bar. (laughs) (laughs) It really does. Um, I got to admit, we didn't really get into this, but um, I never felt like we got to really know Caleb this season. I know. We, We got shown a bunch of stuff about him and like sort of what his history was, but we never really got to know him. Yeah, little bits. I mean, um, Sirach said something like, you know, you're whenever you're pressed, you resort to violence. But we've only seen him be violent when he's threatened. And it's self-defense, I would say. In fact, this right. very episode, he let a guy go, you know, don't don't die for these guys. Right. And so I think we've seen acts of kindness and things like that to, to make us make me feel like anyway, that he's a good guy, but I still feel like he's just kind of, um, not that fleshed out. Yeah. I mean, just, um, don't really understand what makes him tick. I think 
Um, Brian White says, I was intrigued by the after credit scenes. I still don't know what any of it means. I hope the <laughs> West returns to Westworld, I, yeah. by which I assume he means going back to the park. Yeah. Maybe the parks will come back. Yeah, I hope so. Sarah Larkham says, I really hope that Dolores isn't dead because she's my favorite character. Hopefully she's in season four. I love the whole episode, even though I will have to watch the season multiple times to really understand the season. I loved the Pink Floyd song brain damage at the end. Will we see Aaron Paul next season? I hope so. Yeah, we will. Yep. Grippy Bob Domolino says Dolores and Maeve and Caleb plotline was the least interesting part, even after eight episodes. <laughs> Williams end and Bernard plotline is what carried this episode. Bianca Vargas says stubs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this season's podcast. Looking forward to a review of tonight's show. Thank you. And Jennifer Ware says, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> Westworld. And we have a couple of calls. Michael Darwin called in. It's a six minute call. I figure what the hell let's play it. Here we go. Hello, Jason and David. This is Michael Darwin of the bullets, brothels and bots podcast as well as dark discussions and cinema a la carte um i want to thank you for all your coverage for this season i don't know if you're going to do a wrap-up episode but i did want to give you my thoughts on this final episode and sort of the wrap-up to the whole season very quickly or as quickly as i can go which ask my students is maybe not that quick so i apologize if i'm rambling um honestly ended up liking this season in the beginning and not liking it at the end i just don't think they paid off the story points. I think they have uh, successfully nailed the first and second season finales and left me satisfied that didn't happen here. Um, weirdly enough, depending on the storyline, they either had too many episodes or too few. A lot of time spent on Caleb for a storyline that was eh, kind of predictable or didn't really care about. Dolores, um, they did too much withholding information about what her goals and her plots and her plans were to add some mystery to it, even though really the mystery ended up not being all that satisfying. Um, and we get that nice scene at the beginning of the episode, which is, um, I choose to see the beauty in the world, which is great, but it felt like they were sort of just going all Jedi Knight and hand-waving us and saying, just please forget that she was ever robot Hitler in the second season. Um, <laughs> Bernard, William... Maeve, did their storylines really go anywhere all season? Um, Maeve, my favorite character on the show, she just got turned into odd job. Why the hell is she running around with a samurai sword in the year 2050, what, 2, 2058? Dolores has a gun. Maeve has a katana. <laughs> Looks nice. Not going to win that battle. Um... And again, William killing him off for what character development, nice character development they did, uh, sort of stretched out and just not enough of him, though, in the whole season. One of my also, again, a very popular fan favorite character, uh, Ed Harris, great actor, feels wasted even in these eight episodes. His storyline should have been truncated, you know. Um, and then you get Dolores, maybe more time to show her character and her change of her character most of her stuff was being seen through the eyes of caleb or charlotte or someone else rather than seeing things from dolores's point of view um so again we don't really get into her skin even though we do see her get into her own skin in this episode 
Um, she needed more time. And Charlotte oddly needed more time. She already got, you know, two solid episodes devoted to her, but then she has this big change of heart, which we see the evolution of from episodes, you know, uh, say one, three, and I think six. And I get it, but I still could have used more. But then she blames Dolores for blowing her up. So she turns on Dolores by turning against humanity, which Dolores supposedly was against the system. She does a heel turn, right? She goes, I don't, I don't know my family. I don't care about my family to caring about my family to back to not caring about my family. So her character arc is really just a loop. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, not that I don't want to say I don't understand it. I understand it. I don't, find it plausible. This is the sort of sketchy storytelling that hampered Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah, I went there. Sorry. Um, shouldn't have. Uh, and again, Bernard, Jeff, you're right. Wonderful actor. Totally wasted after episode two. The, the little gimmick of him switching back and forth between his two personalities disappears for five or six episodes. Uh, why? Um, he has no agency of his own. He is just kind of, he has a bad plan. It gets, he botches it in episode five. And then he's just going here. Connell says, go there. He goes there. Man in black says, follow me and I'm going to kill you. He says, oh, sure. I'm going to follow you and you can kill us later. And then this episode here, go here. Dolores wants you to go see your, your old wife, Gina Torres in, in old age makeup. Sure, I'll go do that and get closure for a thing that, why? I, if we had some more insight into Dolores, this might make more sense, and maybe Bernard's arc would make more sense, and why she sent Bernard away. No, it, it turns out Bernard is only there so he can be the MacGuffin of having the encryption key. I, I don't like that. I think he's wasted. I don't think that the storyline is um, unsalvageable. Um, but it feels like they went through all of this stuff for uh, uh, metadata and data collection and manipulating people, uh, similar to Nolan's other series, Person of Interest. Seems the thing he's obsessed with, but it seems like a detour in Westworld as opposed to its main point, when all we're going to end up doing at the end is bring us right back to killer robots invading the world. Or at least that's what it seems like. And I will give them credit, I, that last scene, the post credit scene, does have me hooked. You know, the actors are still great, the cinematography and directing is still great, the, the sets are great, the effects are great, the music is fantastic, I already picked up the, uh, the soundtrack. But man, they just could not pay off the story well enough and they just really undercooked three of the major characters in Bernard, Maeve, and William. So, alright, um, I have some thoughts about Next season, if you do a wrap-up episode, I'll give you my thoughts on those, uh, on that going forward. Um, and if not, um, I will see you around on the, the, for the Walking Dead finale and maybe whatever other, whatever other show you're going to do. All right. Uh, so until next time, this is uh, Michael Darwin signing off. Thanks, dude. Michael's been a long-time listener, so appreciate all your thoughts. Man, that was an epic phone call. <laughs> <laughs> He's a podcaster, and it's yeah, I mean, I I think he uh, more succinctly and uh, perspicaciously summed it all up than we did. <laughs> um, one a couple of things about Shaloris not quite making sense about whether she was upset about her family getting killed or not. My take on that was that 
you know, she let herself open up and be vulnerable and then she got smacked for it. And so now she's completely closed off. Fuck everybody. I'm going to just, you know, kill streamline as she says. And she's just become cold and sees vulnerability as as weak. She thanked Dolores for doing that. Yeah, I agree with that. She's the, um, if you think about probably the three most dangerous predators in this show, if we're going to discount Dr. Ford, it's Dolores, um, Man in Black, and Charlotte, or at least parts of each. And it seems like she's now channeling the predator part of each. <laughs> right. Okay, let's do our call from Steve Brown. So sorry, I forgot to send a voicemail last week. But this one, I can't wait for this this season finale. I'm recording this beforehand to help me remember to send you one immediately after I watch the season finale because this season has been really, really good. Even though last episode, you guys mentioned it, everybody said it, it was way telegraphed that Caleb had killed, had actually killed Francis. Anyway, I'm going to re- add more to this after I watch the finale. Okay, so I just finished uh, watching the finale <laughs> and um, whoa, I, I it's definitely going to need a rewatch, uh, probably more than one rewatch to really understand everything. I'm still not clear on some of the stuff. And do we know where William ended up? I don't think so. Um, so he's still out there. Uh, Bernard, we don't know what happened with Bernard when he realized that he had the key. So there's a lot set up for next season. I mean, it did close out some things, but there's a whole lot set up for next season. So um, a couple of big big things that stood out to me. Uh, I loved the... And I don't know if it was homage to Terminator or not, but when Caleb made the the remark marked for termination, that's, you know, directly out of the Terminator uh, kind of saga where we hear that a lot marked for termination. So I thought that was that was a, a cool little callback there if that's what it was. And uh, just the whole I don't know, it, there's a lot in this that that kind of puzzled me. And so I'm definitely going to need to hear what you guys thought about it and, and how you guys uh, explain it because you guys do such a, a great job and uh, I can't wait until next season it, whenever we get it and I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought of this one and again I apologize for not sending a voicemail last week all right talk to you later whatever you guys do next <laughs> I thanks man it's okay man we I mean you call in so much you missed one week. It hurt my feelings, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Steve is a guaranteed good call every week. So he definitely was missed. But I don't think he had seen the after credit scene when he made that call because he said he didn't know where William ended up. Yeah. Good point. Never trust Westworld. <laughs> Always go to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and watch that and let me know what you thought. Yeah. So what are we going to do next, dude? You know, we covered Mandalorian before on this podcast and they um, put out a bunch of making of episodes. So I thought about doing one episode covering that, but you haven't seen it. So that's I not have what not, we're going to do. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got to catch up on that. Um, but uh, maybe this new, I don't know. Maybe this new Jordan Peele show. Maybe so. If it's good, that could be awesome. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance it'd be great, though. All right, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. 
All right. That is our show. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening over the season. Thank you for riding in. Can't believe this season's over. What the hell? It's like it's it's truncated or something. Yeah. I mean, it went by so fast. Like, it almost feels like we were just stuck at home the whole time. And time just went by. <laughs> Desperate for stuff to watch and listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, geez, I have all this stuff about where to call and everything, but it's over. So, um, <laughs> well, I guess if you want to write in or record a message and send it in, you can email us at westworld at podcastica.com. Yeah, we'll answer you. Yeah, you can go to facebook.com slash housepodcastica. I mean, we're not sure uh, what we're going to do next, but stay tuned. Like I said, we might be covering some of these Mandalorian making of episodes, and and, uh, David and I just might do that Jordan Peele show. What's it called again? (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's i already good. forgot after uh let's you. somebody uh was it Lindsay schlick no um i'm looking back over the emails right now i can cut this out lovecraft country yeah. according to yeah Robin simon yeah i'm gonna check that out definitely i didn't see the preview but i'll check it out but there will be more content so just stay tuned and also next week on Walking Dead cast, Karen's going to be back Woo-hoo. and she and Lucy and I are going to be talking about Us, the freaky Jordan Peele movie that came out last yeah, year. Yeah, a movie that so I also uh, loved, but you guys didn't have room for me. It's the way it goes. <laughs> Maybe I'll sit that one out. <laughs> no, no. I, I liked it too. No, we're going to have David on to talk about something else that David loves, whatever it ends we'll up being. Think about that. <laughs> All right. That's our show. Dude, thanks for podcasting with me all year. It was great. You, you may sound, sound like me, but, but you don't, you don't know, know me. me. You're, You're just, just some, some fucking cheap, cheap imitation. imitation.